Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to Compliance Into the Weeds, a podcast where, with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, founder and editor of Radical Compliance, we take a deep dive into the weeds of a compliance or compliance-related topic. Before I get to this week's topic, uh, as you know, <clears throat> the Compliance Podcast Network is always on the lookout for new podcasts. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast but didn't know how? Well, if you've thought about it, please take a listen to this week's sponsor, One Stone Creative. If you are enjoying this show, you might enjoy hosting your own. As an expert in your field, you have skills, knowledge, and insight that can help you expand your practice, meet new people, and create amazing content to share with the world. In as little as two hours a week, you can dramatically change how you promote, fill, and position your business, and One Stone Creative can show you how. Learn more at onestonecreative.net. In this podcast, Matt and I consider the role of the chief risk officer and the overall focus of an enterprise risk management system. Uh, We debate two uh, pretty interesting questions. The first is, what is the role of senior management in an overall risk management strategy? How do you operationalize compliance yet keep your finger on it so that you are always moving forward? without going into cross-purposes or having tension between different types of risk management. The second is, what is the role of the chief risk officer? Is a chief internal audit officer or chief audit executive suited for the role of a chief risk officer? And where is internal audit going down the road in terms of not only uh, assessing risk, testing risk, but also managing risk and help to predict risk. It's a fascinating exploration on the question of what is risk, who owns risk, and how does a company use risk going forward. This is Tom Fox. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance and also editor and founder of Radical Compliance for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, the podcast where we literally take a deep dive going into the weeds for a compliance or compliance-related topic. I think today we're going to be able to fully geek out. So, Matt, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, uh, welcome. Hello. I didn't think that intro was that long-winded. <laughs> Matt, you uh, put up a post today, which was uh, wrapped around a podcast you did um, with a uh, partner from Deloitte, Chris Regiri, and. Uh, it was around the issue of the role of the chief risk officer in enterprise risk management. You packed a lot into both the podcast and the blog post that I wanted to, to really geek out on today. So maybe you can set the stage for us. Yeah, sure. So this came about from a study that Deloitte published actually uh, several weeks ago. And I wrote a post about that at that time where Deloitte had surveyed 500 senior executives at large U.S. businesses to get a sense of their need for risk management, how well they were doing risk management, and then leading into the question of whether or not a chief risk officer is a role that would benefit these companies. And to be clear at the start, we are not talking about chief risk officers in the banking world because CROs are fairly common now in banking. It is a special sort of risk management that is more about financial exposure based on whatever assets and liabilities the and securities the banks are holding. Put all of that aside. We are talking about mainstay corporate American businesses outside the financial sector 
do you have so many different risk management challenges that you would benefit from a single person at that C-level in charge of ensuring risk management is done well throughout the whole corporation? That's what Deloitte was studying. They had some findings. They, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, were in favor of CROs at other large organizations. I'm not entirely sure I'd buy all of that concept, but the idea of more risk management, that it is more important, that we got to get it right, that sort of thing, I'm all in on that. I just am not quite sure how we do it. But that that was the genesis of why I decided to call up Chris Ruggieri at Deloitte. She wrote that report. And basically, I just asked, you know, what do you mean here? Who are these chief risk officers? Where do they come from? What do they do? And questions like that. So there was a couple of points that I really wanted to to explore that you had in your blog post. The first one I thought was uh, particularly interesting and particularly important for the compliance professional, and that is around the role of enterprise risk management. And I'd like to focus on the word enterprise because mm-hmm. that's what really drove home to me that, uh, and Chris articulated this as well, which is, it's all good and well to operationalize compliance. It's all good and well to operationalize uh, risk. But if you push it down and have no structured oversight, you can really lose a bigger picture and you could actually lead to more siloed operations. Um, yeah. Where did where did you kind of shake out on that? Well, I think that it touches on a very valid point. And it, but, you know, what I had said a, a few minutes ago, that the idea of better risk management all for it, better, uh, you know, and the, the better we can get at it, the better. Here's why is because what is the board and the CEO and the C suite, what do they worry about foremost? Big strategic risks. And are we going to hit our financial targets? Not necessarily, you know, hit them at any cost, but more like the targets that we have put up are operation, our strategic objectives. What do we want to do first? And what do we then are okay with doing second, third, and fourth? Uh, our financial goals, are they appropriate? Are they too aggressive? Are they perhaps not aggressive enough? Do they seem just right? But actually, that's because we don't know that there's this risk coming up behind us. Those are the sort of things that the senior executives worry about. And they worry about it now because corporations are so highly regulated and shareholders want high financial performance and stakeholders want corporations to be better citizens generally Because when some big mistake happens, the first question everybody asks the board and the CEO is, how did you let this happen? Well, implicit in that question, I think, is how did you not govern all of the things happening at the company to kind of herd all the cats to get to all the objectives that you wanted? And that's what boards are worried about. So if we have risk management only in the financial sector or only in operations or only in compliance, you might be reducing your own risks to your own compliance objectives or your sales objectives or your research and development objectives. But that might be at the expense of some other thing. And I'll give you an example is that if, uh, say, the compliance executive is so zealous about third-party due diligence and oversight that that slows the ability of the sales function to get new deals. Well, your compliance objectives are now in tension with your financial performance goals. 
Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but one or the other is going to have to prevail or they're going to have to be existing in some balance. What's the right balance? That's for the senior executives to decide. And so they can't do that unless they have a good holistic sense of what are all the risks percolating across the whole enterprise. Um, and so it's not so much that risk management gets pushed down, which I think a lot of organizations do have risk management here and there. It's about stitching it across so that the senior executives can see everything that's going on and get a big picture of here's how our strategy is going to go six ways to Sunday, because these risks over here are going to have consequences for these objectives over there. And here and there might not necessarily see each other's perspective because you're locked in your own little silo. But the senior executives are above them all. So they're the ones who are looking for more risk management. And that's why risk management is more important. Matt, does that require uh, a better understanding of the concept of risk management by senior management? Or does it require more information from the front lines about the, the risks that, that individual disciplines within the corporation uh, are either managing or encountering, or is it something different? Well, I think it definitely involves more information and collecting more information and synthesizing it into some useful insight about risk. And Chris Ruggieri and frankly me and then a whole lot of other people I'm sure would say that the technology exists today to really let you do that. But I actually am more interested in the first point that you raised, Tom, about better understanding of risk management. I think the most important point here is we're really, we want better risk management in a more disciplined way. And I talked about this with Chris Ruggieri in the podcast I did with her, where most people would get that only the scientists can do the science. Only the lawyers can do the law at a large corporation. But everyone and their uncle thinks, I can do risk management. How hard can that be? I know a risk when I see it. I'm pretty good at making judgments. You know, Tom, you and I have, we make risk management decisions when we cross the street or get behind the wheel of a car every day. So we lull ourselves into thinking, I know what's going on. I can do this. How hard can this be? In a disciplined way, it can be really, really hard. And that's the point that Chris Ruggieri was calling out. And I do agree with her on that, that, you know, risk management principles that really force you to think about what is the right decision to make? What is the right amount of risk to take? What is the right amount of risk to quantify here? And then report on up the chain of command. That's really hard to do. So you do need better expertise. Where does that come from? We can talk about that. There's probably multiple avenues, but it gets to Deloitte's point that maybe the day of the chief risk officer has come to finally arrive. I don't know about that, but that's what Deloitte is saying. You know, that, Matt, that's a great segue into the second general point I wanted to raise with you that you also raised in your blog post. And it's about the role of the chief risk officer, his relationship to other corporate disciplines, and do we already have the functional equivalent of a chief risk officer or risk department currently called internal audit? Well, yeah. The, and I'll admit, Tom, I don't have a good answer for that. I struggle with it because... I know a lot of large organizations where they already have some director of risk management and he or she is probably saying, well, what about me? Do I get promoted to chief risk officer? Maybe that's great. Or is the board talking about some wholly other function because they don't know that I exist? I think there's a lot of questions about that. 
that directors of risk management who might be listening to this podcast, you know, you might want to try and get to the answer. Um, are you doing a good job, but you are not elevated to high enough visibility with C-suite or with other parts of the enterprise to maybe take you more seriously because, hey, you're the chief. Now everyone's going to take you seriously. Um, you know, so maybe there's that question. But I keep coming back to the idea that if a chief risk officer's job is to embed better thinking about risk management, better analytics of risk, and a better ability and better tools to find when risk might be drifting into a red zone that you don't want to go to, that does sound an awful lot to me like what internal auditors either do already because they assess risks and then they assess the effectiveness of controls to keep those risks in check. You know, so that's what they already do. But there are an awful lot of people who say that internal auditors of the future are going to need to build better risk analytics capabilities. They're all about data analytics. Every exec, audit exec I know, they want to do this. But once you have those tools, you can give them back to the business so that they can analyze and monitor those risks every day. And then the audit team just comes back once a year to make sure everything's still working smoothly. So explain to me how that, the internal audit role of either today or tomorrow, is going to be very different than the chief risk officer role that, at least as I think Deloitte is trying to describe it. Um, I'm not clear on that. And Chris Ruggieri did say that if you define these things well, they, they won't be elbowing each other or stepping on each other's toes. Uh, I kind of wonder, would the chief risk officer, would that be some sort of super duper internal audit executive? Would the audit exec evolve into uh, a chief risk officer? Might the audit executive be very good at that personally, but do we want an audit function to be a risk management function? Because I know an awful lot of audit teams would say, no, that's not our job. We don't help with risk management. We assess that you're doing it well. Well, it's like we're going to wind up splitting hairs, and the audit community talks about this a lot. They don't have definite answers for it yet, but this seems to be a very blurry area that I quite haven't quite sorted out yet, but I think it could affect an awful lot of audit people. Man, I guess what I heard you talk about in terms of a chief risk officer or uh, the role of a chief uh, risk officer perhaps down the road was steps of what I would call proactive steps, steps that are not only forward-looking, but utilizing risk to help the business uh, manage more efficiently and hopefully more profitably. From my corporate experience, typically that was not the role of internal audit. It was, as you articulated, it was there to test it was there to test processes. It was there to test whether the processes were both valid and then was the company following them with rigor. And so if, if we move towards it, I guess, first, if that dichotomy is valid, and then two, if we do move towards uh, something that is more proactive, have we lost something that we need in terms of uh, what audit provides today or even 10 years ago? Well, I think that's really, that's a big part of the question that we need to sort out. And Tom, I would say, you know, to a certain extent, you were right. When you were in the corporate world, the audit functions job was to test. This is where I diplomatically say that, you know, perhaps people of a certain age might remember that. But here today, tomorrow, and in tomorrow, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case anymore. Um, first off, on the technology you do, if you build the technology right, 
if you have the right sort of data structure, you could test the validity of your controls and you can test and monitor transactions every single second of every day. So what is the difference between testing at all times and monitoring? I, I would say really there, there isn't one. And once you've built a tool to monitor the risk, well, why does audit have to do it? Audit could just give that back to a different business function. And now we're back to what I said before is like, isn't that what a risk management function might do? So I like I don't necessarily know that the audit function of your would be suited for the risk management challenges that organizations and frankly the boards, the ones who sign everybody's paycheck, the ones that they have today and tomorrow, they're worried not about did we test everything correctly in the last quarter, it's more do we have the right analytics to keep ourselves out of trouble in the next quarter. Like it's not easy to build these things, I know, but yes, we do have that technology. We do have that capability. It takes a lot of effort, but you can build it. But what's the difference between an audit testing procedure that you run once a quarter or one that you run every second? And if it's running every second, like that's a monitoring tool. So you can monitor the risks. And then suddenly you can say, um, our third party risks are now getting bigger. We don't have enough resources to keep pace with that big plan to expand into the Asia market. That is a strategic risk that the board would absolutely want to know about. And so what is the risk management principle that you would build there to make sure that, you know, are we performing due diligence on all vendors? Are we performing the right type? Are we performing it quickly enough? Are we getting it to the you know right level that we need of, for risk assurance? Um, and can we report all of that up to the board so that they understand our due diligence capability is keeping pace with our dreams of business expansion. Like that is good risk management, but like who builds that? Um, I don't know if it's compliance. I don't know if it's audit right now. Companies do build those things in a, perhaps not a real time or in a, is quite of a disciplined way, but they build those capabilities in a, by, you know, bailing gum and, and chewing, uh, bailing wire and chewing gum. So, if we build it in a more disciplined way, yes, we should. That's good. But who actually does it? And what's that person's title? You know, so long as you do it, I'm not sure the title matters. But I do see the point that if you have a C in front of your title, people do take it more seriously. So we can debate this for days on end. And I, you know, audit and risk management circles, they do. I just I don't know what the answer is, but I know we're not wrong to think about it. Perhaps there's another way to to go about uh, go at this, Matt, which is uh, certainly uh, uh, in the past ten to fifteen years we've had a uh, at least a, some split as to whether a compliance function should be a standalone function mm -hmm. out from under legal, and that perhaps is still an ongoing debate. But this debate that you and I are having uh, over uh, of this issue uh, isn't uh, couldn't it be valid that the corporation of 2020 has to manage a different set of not simply problems, but also amounts of data, which could actually be used to create greater efficiencies within an organization so that we shouldn't be necessarily locked into uh, the form or at least the titles that we've uh, used for the past several hundred years? Well, like I, I would almost argue the other way around. I mean, do we have so much more data that can bring so much more risk or could bring so much more insight if we manage it and analyze it correctly. Yes, we have so much more data that can drive us nuts or help us out. 
depending on how we manage it. But that's more of a technology question and a thinking it through question. Um, I think more in terms of like, not necessarily, I don't know. We, we conflate titles with specific people. You know, if the way we're talking about compliance and internal audit right now, everybody who listens to it is instinctively will think about, I know this person who does compliance or audit or risk in my company. And we kind of frame it that way. But if we think more in terms of very abstract responsibilities for, I don't know, say designing good risk management principles, and then ensuring that those risk management principles are hold, they're accurate, that they are fit for purpose, that they work the way the risk management thinkers uh, developed it. Yes, you know, so that would be more of an audit function. And but I've already laid out my risk management function too. And you know, there are different ways to slice this. I think a large part of it depends on how big the company is. Um, I'll give you a good example. So I know a fairly large company that went through a merger several years ago that essentially doubled all of its operations. So twice as many employees, twice as much sales in twice as many markets. They are in a highly regulated domestic market. I won't say more than that, but you know everything suddenly doubled. So the audit executive was in charge of making sure the integration was going smoothly. And if there were rough spots, why were they there? How would we improve them? So he hired a business transformation specialist. Then he hired another one. And then they worked on a task force that was across the whole enterprise. And then suddenly the CEO said, why don't we make that a separate risk management function? So the two audit people he hired to inspect the business transformation, they left his domain. And now they're in this separate risk management, risk transformation function and he audits their work so i could see something like that and if you're a 12 billion dollar company you might need that i am also very concerned though what if you're a 200 million dollar company and you don't have a separate risk management function you don't have a separate internal audit function but these tasks need to be done um you know then you have to start thinking creatively but you know i don't, I don't know if that answers your question or not tom is but it's like clearly risk management in a constant forward-looking way is a paramount need and how do you get there with good technology good thinking about your risks and then what form does that take do we clothe all of this in a specific person with the title of chief risk officer or is that stuff already being done 90 percent by audit and 10 percent by compliance and then how do we reassign all of that those are the questions we have to ask so, Matt, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time today, but this has been a fascinating exploration of not only enterprise risk management, but the current and perhaps future role of the chief risk officer. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of Compliance into the Weeds, a podcast with Tom Fox and Matt Kelly. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. We're going to link to both Matt's podcast and blog post in the show notes, so check those out for additional information. Compliance Into the Weeds is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.
I hope you'll join Matt and I again next week where we take up another topic into the weeds of compliance. Compliance Into the Weeds is a presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.